welcome to Biggest Geekus. Uh, this is Joe without Randy today, but with OG GM and Bruce Lombardo of Dick's Division. This is episode 66 of the podcast, and the date is Tuesday, December 14th, 2021. How's it going, fellas? I'm doing pretty well. It was a, a good Tuesday, the 14th of, of December, and I have no complaints. I'm still alive, and I think tomorrow I'm going to wake up on this side of the dirt again. Hopefully so. <laughs> All is well in my part of the world, despite the unusual weather, but thank you for asking. As well as it can be in uh, California? Yeah, we're, we're, we're seeing some real weather. Most of the Californians, of course, are in shock. Real weather think? as in more than just sun? Yeah, it's, it's, we're having a atmospheric river. Oh, that thing. That, yeah. um, did, wasn't there one a couple of weeks ago, too? Yeah, yeah. We're, nice. we're getting some much-needed rain to take care of those burnt hills. Groovy. All right, it looks like we have uh, Baron G-Rock in the comments. And and uh, for those of you who will be listening to this later on in podcast form, which it will be eventually, this is the first ever Biggest Geekest live stream on Twitch, where we have actual live comments and, uh, and some great representation from um, the gatekeepers and uh, slash a Legion of Myth crew on their Discord. Uh, and it looks like we have Baron G-Rock active there in the comments. And, uh-oh, we have a health report for Max of Legion of Myth. It's, it seems like he's almost dead. From a tetanus shot? That's what his wife is saying. Hello, Noro. Hi, Noro. Hi, Noro. Noro, give, give Max everything he wants and uh, he'll probably pull through okay. The big, <laughs> healthy smile on his face. Make sure he's wearing his, his mullet. He loves his mullet. His mullet. <laughs> Have you seen his mullet? No. Is it a wig? It, it is. Oh, no. I've, ne- I've never heard of that. Oh, no. he He's done some older streams on uh, the Legion of Myth, and he's he's done some very naughty boy streams. And uh, they're 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 pretty funny, but seeing him in that mullet, trying to play a forty-year-old man that should not be playing the games he's playing, it made me laugh far too hard. I'll just say that <laughs> it, it, it's bad. I mean, it's great, but it's bad. <laughs> I would love to see that. That'd be cool. Well, he's talked about it when he had longer hair. When he was younger. Yeah. Well, normally we do call-ins and emails. We had no call-ins. We are part of a, um, we're, we distribute our podcast on anchor, uh, normally. And, uh, there is kind of a tradition with the anchor. They call themselves the anchorites, the anchor podcasters, where they will call into each other. There's a function on the anchor website, which sucks. Uh, the function works though, where you can call, you can leave a voicemail, and we had we didn't get any this time around, uh, but we did get an email from uh, Web Warrior, who is uh, I believe 
Myth Discord. I froze on the Legion of Myth Discord. Um, asked a few questions. I think I'm going to reserve this for when Randy's back, as some of it uh, goes to him as well. So, but thank you for that email. He asked a few questions about why did we start the podcast, what kind of setting we prefer, and class to play. I prefer wizards, uh, but paladins as well. What about you, folks? My preferred class to play? Oh, uh, clerics or rogues. I'm a cleric person as well, but if we are overloaded with clerics and don't have a paladin, I'll go with a paladin. And if nobody's playing a wizard, I can double up, or I could I could go for a wizard, but typically I'm a forever DM. Got it. Got it. Well, I'm lucky most of the time, since I live here, and Randy is usually run, willing to run a game. Um, I, I haven't really had to do a lot of DMing. You, you uh, guys live up in the Great White North, eh? Well, we live in Michigan. Okay. Uh, in Michigan, I, do, I wouldn't consider anything south of the UP to be considered the Great White North. Uh, but I'm not originally from Michigan, so other Michiganders may disagree. Um, so we have this thing that happened. Did it, I'm not sure if it happened today or just very, very recently where wizards of the coast dropped a giant, uh, errata bomb. Yes. And, um, decided to cleanse their books of problematic language. Apparently. I'm not sure if there's anything else besides that. I, I did, haven't had a chance to look at it too closely. Uh, they changed a spell. That wasn't... Well, I know they changed um, Counterspell a while counter, back. Yeah, Counterspell, and apparently there's already complaints and changes being made to one of the new spells from Strixhaven. Oh. Well, the Counterspell thing, unless this is a different Counterspell thing, that happened quite a, far, quite a couple of months ago, at least. Um, Some of the errata that was dumped is old stuff that they're oh, just, okay. you know, showing, you know, hey, remember in April when we said this, here it is again. Oh, well, yeah, I, I remember hearing about the um, the counterspell thing, which I'm um, I remember hearing about it, but I don't remember the details. Um, I do also remember that they're kind of messing with how they do monsters so that it'll be less impactful for them. Okay. Um, and because their their abilities will no longer be spells exactly. Yes. So I think that might be the big thing, right? Uh, it's, I mean, it's the I guess one of the more interesting choices they made. Uh, I mean, as far as counterspell goes. Yeah. Counterspells and the monsters, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because how you whether you can or cannot counter the the spell attacks, yeah, that would be the big change. Yeah. Yeah. It just seems the rest of it was I can. What I can do is share a screenshot of what someone posted. Not sure how big I can make this one. Oh, it doesn't look like too big. That's not. That's going to be hard to see. Ah, I can do this Twitter. Twitter post looks like it's a little bit. Yeah, that'll work. All right. 
So Okay. Nope, not that one. Noro's counting all the bills versus all the death benefits she gets right now. <laughs> is, it, is it more expensive to keep him alive or let him die? I, I think it's going to be cheaper for her to keep him alive. Well, you know, Nora, it, it depends what kind of shapes Max, Max is in. You know, a liver can go for twenty-five grand. I don't know why I would know that. Hmm, that's interesting. <laughs> Have you been consorting with some um, organ snatchers recently? No, I, I I read it on 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 Twitter. <laughs> I don't know how much a single square inch of flesh can get you on the black market, or how much an eye can get you. Why would I know that? Oh. That is a funny but macabre thought. Yes. <laughs> Well, those are the kinds of thoughts that a wizard, a modern-day wizard, might um, contemplate because of spell components and whatnot. Yes. Uh, all right, so I've got this up on the screen here for all to see, except for those folks out um, in yeah, that's one podcast of land. They, well, they, they did errata for pretty much every book, but most of it is repetitive. Right. There's a paragraph they like. Uh, when you're role-playing a insert whatever, the following tables contain possible inspiration. They suggest characteristics that the uh, whatever it is might possess. Instead of um, telling you what the essential nature of the creature or character is, they say, essentially say, it could be anything. Because nothing has an essential nature, apparently, anymore in D&D. Yep, nothing, no more. Yeah, uh, for anybody who's keeping track, alignment is gone again. It came back for a little bit, but now it's gone again. Right. Uh, Role-playing a kobold, this section has been removed. Orcs as underlings, this sidebar has been removed. <laughs> <laughs> What if what if I want to play a sentient bomb from 1974's Dark Star? And I think three people in chat got that. Wow. It's <laughs> been a long time. I tried watching Dark Star, but it didn't uh, I don't I don't remember the sentient um That's bomb the part. only part of that movie worth watching. And you can find it on YouTube. And then after that, it you just just find a different clip to watch of a different movie, and just just remember happier times. Yeah. <laughs> right. All right. So I guess the general thing is um, the continuing uh, saga of Wizards of the Coast insistence on nothing having any sort of uh, of lore. Yeah. The, the thing is, right. is, you know, their whole big thing was. Our, because our lore is so problematic and so many people said they want that to go away because nobody pays attention to it anyways, we're going to take it away. And now everybody's saying, why did you get rid of the, the lore? Now you just cut and paste the exact same thing across 20 different books. This is boring. Right, right. I mean, it was uh, with all the shenanigans with the character races being essentially the same blob, uh, blob of goo. Yeah, 
Um, this just makes that uh, the same thing with everything across the board, not just the character races. Yeah, everything is just now a gray blob of glue. Yeah. Good job, Wizards of the Coast. You will continue to get none of my money, though they don't really care. <laughs> they don't care. They've yeah. gotten none of my money for so many years. Uh, right. yeah, I, don't, I don't think they're going, oh my god, we didn't get any money from Bruce this month. We're dead. We're so dead. I know. <laughs> so I wonder, I wonder how much of this they can continue to do, because this is, in my opinion, a very poor design choice, even for folks who are potentially uh, who like Wizards of the Coast. If you make it the game, the, the, their lore even more bland than it is, eventually even those guys are going to start, you know, saying, what's, what are you doing? I think that's, I think that's correct. Yeah. Yeah. People are just basically going to start going, well, you're not giving me anything so I can make stuff up, which means I don't have to buy that book because I can just make stuff up. In fact, yeah, I can get your rules for free online. So why even buy your starter book? Right. Right. Okay. At this point, it, it makes no sense as to why somebody would want to start investing in 5e. It really, I mean, if you want to be a completionist and and get three shelves of your current apartment or living quarters occupied, it's a great way to quickly do it. But I wouldn't say, I wouldn't suggest, hey, this is going to be a legacy game. It's going to be around forever. Hmm. We all know somebody who would disagree with you, but yes. Ah. <laughs> uh, well, as soon as they no, I, I, they're they're getting ready for what is ever going to happen in 2024. That just the thing is, it still feels like they don't know what they're doing in 2024. It's like we're going to do something. We just yes, don't we know are. What you, <laughs> we just don't know what it is yet, but we're going to do something. Right. So, shall we um, move along to saving or sucking? Sure. Yes. Spells, that is. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. So, um, oh, Baron, whatever does that mean, the multiple poop emojis? Um, last week, I kept, uh, I'm, I just did a play on our Biggest Geekus because someone said poop on the live stream, so I changed Biggest geekus to biggest poopus, and ah. Baron G Rock is was tickled by it. Apparently, he does like the poop humor. Right, right. Oh, do I have that handy? I have. You know, you can get plush dolls of the emojis. Yes. And I'm Sir Patrick Stewart, I'm poop. <laughs> I um. I was able to snag a poop emoji. Awesome. Plush pillow. And, uh, yeah. See, I'm just surprised that he starred in that movie as that character. Which movie was that? The Emoji Movie. Oh, I never saw that. Neither did I. I just I just know, thank God, for the clips from YouTube. Right. Uh, Patrick Stewart voiced the poop. Award-winning oh. voice did the poop. Well, I mean, 
sometimes you just do things for fun, I suppose. I'd like to know why he did Picard. Oh, wait. Never mind. I don't want Garrett to rage. Yeah, yeah. Cause <laughs> I, I haven't seen it, but what I've seen of it um, is uh, tells me I'm not really missing anything. You're not missing anything. Right. All right. So, save or suck. What are these things called save or suck? Um, there's a lot of good examples from this is pretty much um, D&D related. Uh, I'm I don't know uh, enough about the other systems uh, to know uh, whether or not they have equivalents. I'm sure they do, but uh, they're pretty well known in the D&D um, arenas because people uh, have a lot of opinions around them. Something like finger of death. Um, I would think, I believe some of the versions of D and D, um, between TSR's version and Watsi's version, they've, and, and Pathfinder have, uh, softened the blow a bit on some of them. Finger of death used to just be save or die, save or die. I think in later versions, it was an amount of damage, which was a good amount. But uh, still, I don't think it was the save or die like it used to be. Yeah, Finger of Death is what, 7th level or 5th level? It's the highest level cleric spell, so whatever that is. Ninth for most games? Well, it would be ninth in the more recent versions, but clerics and uh, clerics used to be maxed out at 7th, and I think druids too yep. used to be. So it might have been 7th at the time. I can look it up. Another yeah. an, another quality spell that's in favor suck territory is feeble mind. Disintegrate. Disintegrate. Uh, disintegrate has a a minor hindrance if you save. Up to, up to thirty points of disintegration damage if you save, and lots if you don't. Right. It used to just be. You save or become a pile of dust. No damage otherwise. Yeah, feeble mind's a good one. Right, because you're just, you know, you're out of you're out of action. So I have the first edition player's handbook. Um and Finger of Death is a seventh level druid spell. Damn. And I, I think it was just a druid spell, unless I'm remembering incorrectly. Uh, yeah, looks like it's just a druid spell. It may have that may have changed in other editions, but it was a druid spell, seventh level. And I believe it took a while for them to get that level spell. Yeah. Well, uh, I think it was so, you know meant wow. to be sort of a a bad guy spell originally. Yeah. Right. And Wanda Vorkis was just, you know, bam, death ray. Blam. Right. But they, but um, Pathfinder and uh, I think third edition changed that as well to being just a lot of yeah. damage. Orcus got nerfed too. Right. So, 
I guess um, with the druids, since they have to fight each other at those high levels, uh, there's only nine druids at 12th level or higher. Yep. So um, there's not too many folks slinging in, in that version of the game, slinging that finger of death around. What do you think about something like domination? Would that be like a save or suck? Probably. Domination. Yeah. Sleep. Well, sleep in some versions, you didn't even get a save. Like in first, uh, in old D and D, and first edition, there was no save. Yep. Only hit the idea effect. Yeah. You're, you're asleep. Up to, up to four plus one. Yep. <laughs> yeah. It was. It was. It was the first level death spell for a long time because you just put everybody sure. to sleep and then. In um in the uh, uh Beckme it was uh the maximum hit die creature you could affect was four four plus one, but yep. you could affect up to sixteen hit dice of creatures. Yeah. With a first level spell and they would all be dead. I mean, they will eventually. Yep. They'd all be sleep, no save. <laughs> that was my go to spell, but pool of radiance. Yeah. I don't that know. was your go-to spell in Pool of Radiance, the video game? Yeah. For right, like right, right. Four, four levels. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's good for a quite a, quite a, a long time, especially if you're just low-level. Uh, if you remain in the low levels a lot, it, it has lots of use. Um, Color Spray was a pretty devastating spell as well. Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. Before, yeah. You're blind. You're stunned. You're blind forever. Yeah, yeah. It had a variety of effects, depending. I believe that was an illusionist spell early on. Color spray for illusionists. Yeah. And chromatic orb, too. Chromatic orb. Well, chromatic orb, um, once you got to a certain level, chromatic orb was a death spell Mm -hmm. as a first level spell, which is kind of weird. When I saw that, I was like, you mean wizards can't have that? Wizards should have all the spells. <laughs> <laughs> That's just how I feel about wizards, period. Oh, is that arcane? Yeah, it's wizards. It's a wizard spell. It's a... But of course, no. Illusionist got the best. Uh, a lot of people think that it's one of the best first level spells, period, from that version of the game. No, oh, yeah. I mean, color spray and chromatic orb, yeah. Pretty good. Just so devastating to the bad guys or but you know if you if your bad guys cast it on the players oh they get so upset right this is why they had to change all the save or suck spells because players got upset it's like it's okay if i cast it on the bad guy but your bad guys can't cast it on me right well what do you think about something that's not necessarily a spell but it's more of an effect, like a skill roll, especially in third edition and perhaps Pathfinder, perhaps more so in Pathfinder, something like diplomacy. If you had a high enough total on your roll, I don't, I don't know if you could make them your minion, but you could take someone who had, who might even hated you before you started open, before you opened your mouth. And after one roll, they could just you could just have them uh, on, totally on your side and doing what you say from your hand and yeah yeah their sister to fuck and marry mm-hmm. all, sorts of, all sorts of shit right 
So that's it's uh that's in the same realm. Yeah, it tr- definitely is. If, if once a skill gets high enough, and in which you know it was easy to do in Pathfinder, at what point right. you know at some point you're just you know bending the laws of physics. I've got stealth at thirty. I'm invisible. Right. Some alternative ways that, that have come across in different um, versions of the game were um, gradual effects. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. Oh, well, this is in a 13th age version of uh, the Medusa, where you'd start out your you would be it would be difficult for you to move you'd eventually be paralyzed and you'd event then eventually become stone if your buddies couldn't save you ah yeah no that, I, that's uh unique to that system i guess it's kind of a video game thing yeah. um i think uh try to remember the name of the the game but anyway you have a little bubble over your head with a countdown timer they do it with a death spell. They do it with um, turn to stone. Final Fantasy. There you go. I forgot. I don't know why I forgot that. I think that was. Uh, it might have been seven. Might have been an earlier one. But yeah, it had a little bubble. Yeah, a lot of them. Countdown, and if you didn't do anything, you know, throw a feather at him. There was a feather you could do. You could take it away. Yeah, they do that in Darkest Dungeon. Hmm. Is that a an OSR clone? No, it's a video game. Oh, it's a video game. Okay. It, it's a really good video game, but you're don't get attached to your characters. Yeah. <laughs> if you want, if you if you want the uh, that whole dark, grim, depressing experience in a video game, Dark Extension's the way to go. Mm-hmm. Well, it, it says it in the title there. Darkest Dungeon. Yeah. Yeah, I. Uh, I, I got to say that for saver die spells, I kind of want the gradual effects until I go into a combat where all of my players have heroes with leadership and they brought their cohorts along because their cohorts are nothing but thick necks, you know, thick neck Tony types, and they're going to just get in the way and completely obliterate any and all opposition that I have scripted for the night. Just utterly kill the bad guys there's not going to be much but an initiative role and that'll be it <laughs> and uh i i think no i don't want to do gradual effects like 13th age i'm good well i think you could have a situation with um knowledge that save or die is on the table that you would have you would eventually you're your either the bad guys or the players um, would eventually get, get catch a clue. We better, you know, be careful here, or you know, death magic is going to get slung around eventually. Yikes! So I, that's one reason I think it's good to have it in the game. Mm-hmm. It makes people take care. Or, or you could end up having a target on your chest. So, you, my character in Randy's game is a wizard and has sleep and you know he'll he'll pull it out when it's necessary but if you know folks survive eventually when they see my character they're going they're either going to say much respect 
don't cast your spell on us, please, or they will open fire before we get a chance to talk. <laughs> so it makes for a, it can make for an interesting um, an interesting uh, atmosphere in the game. Yes, definitely agree. That threat that one spell could devastate the implied threat of spellcaster with a robust spell selection. Right. I mean, that you could say, oh, he's going to cast magic missile. That's that's paltry damage. I mean, it's going to hurt, but I can take that. But, oh, he could cast sleep and I'm toast. Yeah, that's a problem. I mean, I think I think it's I think it's good in the game. It's one of the things that old school games um, have a better feel and the newer school games lack uh, that or the the saver suck saver die saver suck is yeah pretty much gone yeah they they and it's you know the, ca- the caster's going to cast a spell it's probably only going to do x amount of damage i have this many hit points i'll be fine yeah yeah people don't want to have a, a moment when they're have no control over their character's fate but that was the general belief so that's why so many spells were changed to reflect that you're no longer in a position where you're out of control even spells you wouldn't think they'd change like hold person it's like apparently people got upset because their character couldn't act for 1d4 rounds so we had to change that too yeah well i think it's probably whiny people that made made these changes um Max uh, posted something, and I forgot about this, with the chromatic orb. Um, um, you had to hit with it. Because you, it's basically a little orb you throw. Yeah. And uh, chromatic orb was in the second edition Wizard's Handbook as well. And there was damage and a secondary effect. And then there was the Thaco which was the wizard's Thaco, which really wasn't any good. That's really not a Thaco. 133 levels. Woo! Right. <laughs> uh, I have to text back to my wife. 6 p.m. Right, so... I'm not sure if it worked that way um, in first edition, if you had to make it to hit. Probably did. I should look it up because that would be interesting. I mean, there's no to hit roll with sleep. You just go down. Oh, okay. That might've doesn't look like it's but that was I may have misspoke color spray is in here but I'm not seeing chromatic orb I guess that's what he was saying it's only in the uh, wizard's handbook not not in yeah 
we were talking about color spray, and I was thinking chromatic orb as well. Right. So no. Chromatic orb you had to hit, but then the big threat was always the secondary effect, not the the, the bit of damage. Yeah. Bear G Rock is bringing up glitter dust. Glitter dust is another, you know. Yeah, glitter ball pissed a lot of people off, but then you realize, nope, that's glitter dust. Yeah. Um, you're not, yeah. You're not invisible anymore, and you're outlined, so we get bonuses to hit you. Mm-hmm. This one didn't give a chance to blind people, did it? That wasn't glitter dust. So maybe I'm thinking of a different spell. It's just uh, makes anything invisible visible in its area. There's no blindness. That's color spray. Yeah, but that, that was the reason wizards progressed so slowly compared to everybody else, is that even a wizard yeah. with one spell at first level, sleep is just a game changer. And that's, you know, the, there's so many complaints about how wizards wore wusses in the old versions, but really even, you know, at first level when you're tossing out one sleep that completely changes the entire outlook of the combat. And then you look at the higher level stuff and once they hit that, you know, third level sweet spot, then everybody else is just sort of, that was always the, the, the threat slash reward for, for playing a wizard to make up for the fact you had the worst saving throws, the worst hit points, the worst, everything else, pretty the much. Worst, you couldn't wear any armor. You're right. a glass cannon. Yeah, you're a glass cannon, but when you hit that sweet spot, then everybody's afraid of you. And then when you got to those really high-level spells, like Death Ray and Finger of Death, Disintegration. Right. So I guess Glitter Dust does blind as well. So ah. I thought I remembered that correctly. So, um, yeah. Uh, I think in first edition with the different... Um, um, experience points charts like you're saying it takes longer to progress as a wizard in the earlier editions that kind of justified their power uh, later on where um where they didn't they were kind of weak early on even though they had a couple of spells that were very effective um they only had a couple and they could only cast very few um later on they had a, a fairly uh, powerful spells but um, it took a long time to get there. It, they might um, be two, three levels behind everybody else. All right. So yeah, old wizards were hardcore. Right, right. So do you think that they having those kinds of spells? I think I was saying this earlier. Um, that it, ha- it it imparts a kind of um, s- style in your game as opposed to more current games where spells are kind of muted. I mean, they're still powerful. Higher level spells are powerful, but lower. if it's a lower level spell, it doesn't have the impact that lo- some lower, lower level spells had in the early game. I, I think the spells of the older edition and they've been brought up in like Pathfinder and got retrofitted back to what they were 
and first and second ed in the OSR community, I think keeping those spells at a high potency level is very important. Yeah. I think, I think that's why the wizard has the punch that he does because otherwise there's no allure to it. You, you have a mediocre spellcaster that doesn't have an ability to hit very well. He doesn't have the ability to save versus oncoming magical attacks. He's, he's basically going to be the last one to die because he was the first one to be able to turn around and run away. And that's basically how I feel about it. Unless you have him outfitted and kitted up properly with spells that do promote a save or die theory, or they do automatic damage like magic missile, something like that. But you have to have those spells that do provide you a reason to want to play a wizard because you want to discover these things and give one more uh, type of tool for your toolbox so you can dish that out whenever it's time to throw down. Right, right, right. Well, I mean, meander there, but no, I, no, no. I, I think the wizard needs those spells. And it's, I mean, the, it's the threat of those high-level spells in the hands of the bad guys. And that's that's perfect. That's called balance. Yeah, and people will say it's not balanced, but it is balanced because you know, by the time you're high enough level to go up against the bad guy that can do the death spell, then you're probably got enough crap on you that you can maybe survive it. Yes. So um, it was it was, it, it was the challenge of getting to there to be able to toss out that 10d6 fireball, to be able to toss out that death ray, and to be able to go toe to toe with you know the lich who could raise one finger and kill a party member. That threat is why those spells are so rare and so powerful and so frightening. And sure, were they fair? Absolutely not. Is Tomb of Horrors fair the way it was originally written? Absolutely no. not. That's the whole point. <laughs> yeah, you, you don't play these games because you want a fair game. If you want to play a fair game, you can go find any League of Legends or or something on the web to amuse yourself. But Dungeons and Dragons playing a wizard is not fair. You are stacking a table against you. And and there's other there's other systems like you guys were talking about Arcane Evolved, where you have the Magister where he gets some mediocre spells, but he has opportunities to buy really good spells by spending feats on them for the exotic spells and learning how to cast those. And if you make your own campaign or own rule set where you take the best of both worlds and you start integrating just various things you find as you stumble over game system after game system after edition after edition, you'll you'll create a real large opportunity for role players and uh, for tacticians, min-maxers, to wander within your game world and just find a panacea to play with. And I, I think the saber die spells are wonderful for first and second edition and for Beck me. I think they're great. I agree. I agree. Uh, it does provide a certain tone to the, to the game, which is adventuring is dangerous, which is, um, what Max is saying here. Um, not just the bad guys, those spells are important for all wizards, just a threat of that ability. Uh, do you want to take on a wizard? Attack at your own risk. 
So it's either let's all uh, dogpile the wizard and make him into wizard mincemeat, or they back down and say, okay, we'll listen to what you have to say. Yep, totally. I think uh, if a wizard adventured around with a bard, and we'll just say Pathfinder, and the bard was a diplomacy master, and I don't know if you've ever seen the movie called Darkness Rising, but pretty much the bard, when it came to any social interaction, if he wanted to seduce a straight white male with a natural 20 or a natural 19 or with anything over a two, it would happen. I could totally seduce any homophobe with that role. Is one of the quotes. It's a great, great movie. And it perfectly embodies the uh, camp and the humor level that we had back in 2006 when it was released. Right, right. I, I think I've seen that um, when we did have a video stores, like Blockbuster, when that was still a thing. Uh, hmm. I've seen it on the shelf. I've never, I don't think I've ever, I've never seen it, but I've heard of it. Uh, I'll, I'll get you a link. Baron, Baron, will you do me a favor and get a link for that in the gatekeepers chat? Thank you. It's on YouTube. Oh, it's on YouTube as well. Yeah. Great. Hey, um, can you guys cover for me for just a few moments? I believe my dogs are whining to go outside. Sure. No problem. Go, <laughs> go for it. As long as they're not huskies, it'll be great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it snowed? Oh, we're staying out here until morning. You with us. Oh, God. <laughs> all right. Yes. And thanks for hosting, and hopefully you're all subscribed to Biggest Geekest. And if you're not subscribed to Biggest Geekest, subscribe. Yeah, and subscribe to them on YouTube because they have a very amazing channel. Their podcasts are a, just a pair of guys going through – the various aspects of this wonderful tabletop hobby. Yep. Uh, Maximilian says, not just bad guys, the spells are important for wizards, the threat of that ability. Do you want to take on a wizard? Attack at your own risk. And then Baldahar says, your dogs are whining? Nora told me the same thing a few minutes ago, and she kicked Max outside. <laughs> Poor Max. He gets no love. Uh, he, he really doesn't. And And right now, the the injection is just, I guess, turning him over, treating him like Sally. Hmm. Maybe they, you know, hid something in that injection. Yeah. Hot sauce. Cayenne pepper. Yeah. I put that in my soup tonight. I had a, re I had a really good soup. What kind? It's a... Uh, Mexican blend of tomatoes. It's like a Mexican tomato soup starts with a P. Uh, and if I said it, I would probably butcher it. Pizzoli? Yes. Yeah. I think I think that's it. That, yes, yeah, that's I, I added a can of chicken to it because I'm a huge uh, chicken fanatic whenever it comes to canned chicken and soups. I love that. I can't stand chicken. I love canned chicken. <laughs> Stupid thing. Put that in there. Then I added two eggs and sw uh, swirled it until I saw little bits of egg soup dripping around and there's egg bits floating around. So I was pretty happy. I had a protein yep. soup. Keep you warm. 
Yes. Well, it actually kind of got down to 50 degrees last night, so I was expecting the same thing to happen tonight. We uh, In South Texas, I, I'm not a native down here, but when it gets down past 60 degrees, everybody starts wearing their North Face jackets. It's, <laughs> it's quite humorous. Oh, man. I'm ready for the ski slope. Whew. Max says, my right arm looks like a 15-year-old who masturbates too much and forgets to switch hands meme. Ow. <laughs> what did they do to you? Getting in shot. What type of shot did you take, Max? And don't say it was from the P word or the M word or the J and J words. Well, he said it was tetanus, but. I had a tetanus shot last year and. No, it was this year, and it it was a prelude to me going into the hospital, like three weeks later. <clears throat> I'm dying! I'm dying! I don't know if they're putting in the tetanus shots, but Baldahar's like, is this 15-year-old right or left-handed? I'm trying to decide if I'm supposed to picture Popeye or olive oil. Uh-oh. <laughs> Max's arm reminds me of Popeye, Baldahar. And we all know why. Nora threw his ass down the stairs to teach him a lesson. I knew it. I knew it. She's abusing him. Max is like, I've never reacted to a tetanus shot before. Ah, that's because it wasn't tetanus, Max. <laughs> Whatever they gave you, I don't think it was. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't think it was just tetanus. So he's never reacted to a tennis shot before. Max is slow. She threw him a few times as ball to Harvard. And then Max says, I live in the South. We don't have basements here. Stop it. And that's true. We don't have basements in Texas where I live. And I miss those. My dad sent me photographs of his Lionel, his Lionel train set. And he hasn't had Lionel since he was a little kid growing up. And uh, I was so happy for my father. My dad's a, a, a geek of a man, uh, older geek, not into computer geek stuff. But my dad gets this flyer in a, the newspaper on Sundays from Menards Home Improvement Stores. And this is a friendly tip that I'm going to give you guys here on the Biggest Geekest channel. If you want to do some modeling, I will tell you that when Menards does their, their flyers for the Sunday sales for the week, if you look at their doors, the doors are scaled perfectly for O-scale figurines on your set. So if you have a train set or if you have a grandfather with a train set and you want to spruce up their houses a bit, go to work with your clippers and clip out some of those really nice doors in the Menards home, uh, home improvement flyer. And you can do this with the drywall stuff. You can, my dad's got all sorts of stuff where he's, he's, he's made his home improvement store on his O scale, like the apple of the eye sort of thing. <laughs> take photos of that you want to take like six or seven photos of that site in and of itself. Cause he's got so much detail on it. Cool. Way to go dad. How did you get into the hobby? Which hobby? There's so tabletop. many. Tabletop. 
my backward story of how I became into gaming. Sure. Uh, I'd say my origin story, if you haven't heard it, is a little backwards compared to most origin stories. Mm -hmm. uh, is that I came to the hobby through figures. Um, my first introduction to the hobby was there was a store, and I, st I still remember it clear as day, 40-some-odd years later. It was the second floor of the Glendale Galleria. There was a teeny little store that sold pewter figures, like those pewter dragons and pewter mm -hmm. fairies. And then for some reason, intermixed with those, the guy also had like lead, old lead figures from like the old war games. Oh. So he had like an army of Russian soldiers. And then for some reason, he had a setup of figures that were from the Lord of the Rings. And the, I saw that story the very first time. I'm like seven years old. I was just lost. Hmm. They had to drag me out. I was just so entrenched. And so the next time we went back, I asked the guy, what are these from? He goes, oh, have you heard of Dungeons and Dragons? So, of course, I'm like, you know, six, seven years old. I'm like, Santa, I don't know what this Dungeons and Dragons is, but please give it to me. So then on Christmas, there it was, the original box with the, you know, men, myth and magic wilderness thing. And I'm just like, I don't know what this is, but it's amazing. So there was like two, three, four years of just me trying to figure this game out and playing with my brother and play and then just sort of backwardsing our way through what would be eventually become Dungeons and Dragons until I moved to the San Fernando Valley. And then everybody started playing a game called Villains of Vigilantes. So my first actual gaming group was a bunch of kids playing Villains of Vigilantes. So I actually am sort of backwards and how I got into D&D. What about, yeah. Uh, I was a train hobbyist all my kid years and this was something that I couldn't get into. Mom and dad believe a satanic panic. And so we didn't ever really get into D and D although mom did buy me some choose your own adventure books by Rose Estes. And it was a gateway drug because it was kind of cool to read the mountains of mirrors or return to Brook mirror or the dungeon of dread, really cool stuff. And I uh, got a chance to read those and reread those and, and try different pathing and such. And I just wanted to get into it. And I, at the age of uh, 14, I bought the Star Wars D6 system at a Star Trek convention. And I bought that and brought it home. And I started running that for my friends because all of us had parents that wouldn't let us play D&D. &D. So we played that instead. And then it was about... Two years later, I turned 18. No, four years later, I turned 18, and I started buying D&D stuff because I figured I can do what I want with my money. And mom was kind of upset, but when I went out when I went out to, uh, to boot camp for the Navy, uh, my Call of Cthulhu stuff and my D&D stuff kind of disappeared. So that happened. And I think Max is leaving us. He says he's needing this thing called sleep. What's this? Oh, hey. Joe's back. Tomorrow to talk about gods. I've done my research. Yay. Good night, Max. Guess Nero's putting him back in the cage. He's going to use that arm. Nora's going to use that arm of his to help destroy the gazebo. <laughs> Get her XP. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> girly gazebo. Maybe they're going to make a less girly gazebo. 
can can you really have a masculine gazebo? Well, you can have a, a gender neutral gazebo. Make it out of like bar wire. Yeah, it could be you know very masculine. Well, sure, you could have gun turrets and yeah. paint it you know earth tones, you know dark black and brown that kind of thing. Connect the sound system to it so it plays fortunate sound all the time. Yeah, it's got spikes up running across it like a mohawk. <laughs> Line the rain gutters with uh, barbed wire. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's got tattoos. You'll save no money. You'll save no money. Save no money when you shop Menards. And he says there's more Menards than Starbucks in Minnesota. I believe that. <laughs> That's pretty interesting. Oh, that is funny. So, um, yes, reversible. Hmm. Right. So, one of the more dreadful, um, I guess, uh, save or suck spells is actually a reverse of a beneficial spell, like heal. So, in uh, in the first edition and pretty much in second edition as well, there could uh, memorize heal and automatically reverse it. And uh, what the reverse of it was, was harm. And uh, you lose all your hit points, save a D4, which some, which somebody, you know, a goblin could walk up to you and smack you and then you would die. Yes. So yes. I mean, it's not save or die, but it is definitely save or suck. And it was a, a it was a radius, if I remember correctly. No, it's it's one creature. You touch oh. one creature. Oh, maybe that was a different one I was thinking of. I know there I, I know there was one that was a circle of healing, but if you reversed it, it was just circle of death. <laughs> well, there's um, there's uh, creeping doom, which is the uh, big carpet of uh, insects that the druid um, unleashes, uh, but also heal. Infected. Another one that got nerfed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. The um, it's unfair to insects. You can't have a spell that does that. Uh, they're only insects, right? So the heal, the reverse of heal, which is harm. It also you also get disease. So not only are you bereft of all your hit points, but a D4, you also have a disease, which is awesome fun. Creeping Doom. Where's there it is. Creeping Doom. It's just a fun spell. Right. So there are up to a thousand biting insects in it. Hmm. The Creeping Doom will slay any creature subject to normal attacks so that it, up to 1,000 hit points of damage can be inflicted on creatures within the path of the Creeping Doom. <laughs> it's a little vague. Um, I guess it's up to 1,000 hit points, and then it, once one of the insects bites you, it dies. So it can only do 1,000 hit points of damage total. Only. Considering... Folks, hit points in that version of the game wasn't very high. Yeah, I mean that—that's a thousand hit points is a village. Yeah, 
and even a party, even a high level party might not have a thousand hit points among them. Yeah. You get your party and all of your, um, all of your hirelings, your horses, everything. Very biblical spell. Yeah. But I, I guess in, um, I think in, in the way that that there's a different kind of balance in the old game that we were talking about earlier, where at low levels, I mean, at low levels, a cleric, a first level cleric doesn't even have any spells. No, he's, he's just a fighter that can turn undead. And not a very good fighter. So, um, but once they have enough spells to be able to call them a repertoire, they can be pretty fearsome. The clerics um, have always been, in my opinion, especially once you get a few levels, a little OP because they have the spells, they have decent, though not fighter-level combat. Plus, they can... Uh, the weapon choices aren't great, but they're not bad. They, they can use every weapon a fighter can except for swords and bows. They are the most broken class in the game, every edition, no matter what. Yeah, and heavy armor. There's nothing they can't do. Well, in, in Pathfinder, I don't think that the clerics get heavy armor unless their deity allows it according to the Galarian rules. Yep. Yeah, there's there's that too. Because um, I don't think... I think that 3rd um, Edition introduced the whole simple weapon, martial weapon concept. Yep. And clerics could only use simple weapons. Yeah. And their deities chose their deities weapon. Right. So if their deity happen to have a decent weapon choice, then they're rocking. Yeah, exactly. And the war deities will be able to use swords. Yeah, give you swords. The archery hunting deities gave you bows. You know, the lumberjack right. deities gave you a chainsaw. Uh, <laughs> that's funny. I'm a lumberjack and I'm okay. Roll these five dice six. If it's a treant, it needs to save versus death. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, um, they had a different concept of balance, which was over the course of your career in the early game. In the sub, in the more recent games, uh, game versions, the balance was more like balance between the classes. Yeah. So all the classes had to be, ha uh, or they they tried. To make it so that the classes had um, were balanced with each other because they have the same experience point chart. I don't know that they. I don't know that they really accomplished that. Uh, the I, mean, idea, I, don't think, I don't think in thirty minutes. Yeah, for like five minutes <laughs> they accomplished it, but then you know, of course, they shot themselves in the foot <laughs> with the gigantic their gigantic amount of books. Yes. After seventh level, even in the core rulebook alone, you would have a character that was, if you knew how to optimize, you would be able to create a small monster at seventh level. <laughs> the hooker god gave you hookers. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Hooker lumberjacks. <laughs> I don't know. I've never heard of that one. <laughs> I can only imagine the UP is filled with him. Oh, you want to stay warm this winter, eh? 
<laughs> my bad, my bad. Not making fun of all Michiganders. I'm not originally a Michigander, so I have no I have no real loyalty to Michigan. Yeah. Especially considering our wonderful governor. <laughs> so, um <laughs> third rail, third rail. Third rail. <laughs> So do you prefer, I mean, what do you guys think about save or suck spells? Should they, are they a bad idea, good idea? I mean, did we kind of touch on that already? I, I like them. No, they're a great idea for yeah. a theme, for, you know, this is my goal. I want to get to the ability where I can do this. Motivation, the, the, the implied threat that a spellcaster might have this in their arsenal and whip it out and you you know when you're dealing with a wizard you don't know what he memorized for the day is today the day he memorized death spell or is today the day he memorized create bridge i have to okay. always assume today is the day he he memorized death spell and go and act accordingly you know that's that was the implied threat especially at higher levels when you're dealing with like liches and dragons but of course they they, they took they took that away well, even median levels when you're just like a Medusa. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. I mean, any spell that took you out. Yeah, because... Go ahead. And had yeah, a very specific, you know, only one specific way to get rid of it, like paralyzation. Again, yeah, just the implied threat. Right, because uh, even, even at... Um, I would say mid-range levels, five, six, seven. You're going to be facing things like a Medusa or Catoblipas, especially when you're in first and second edition. I don't know if that carried over in subsequent, which is basically a cow with a long neck. If he gets his eyeballs looking at you, does he turn you to stone or you just die? I can't remember which one. The bastard ah. turned you to stone. Right. See, I... The one thing we always don't talk about when we talk about spells or wizards is this little thing that the DM has for about 70% of the mid to high level threats have this thing called spell resistance or magic resistance. And I like the version that they brought out in, in uh, third edition and Pathfinder, especially uh, I'm not a big fan of the second ed uh, Hackmaster did second edition, right? And so, like, basically, you would roll your percentile dice and you would modify it for a level spell in your favor versus what you were attacking, which had a set static number for MR. And you had a better chance with higher level spells to break through, which was nice. If you're right. using a ninth level spell, you should have a 45% chance adjusted to break through a, a Tenari's uh, various sp uh, spell buffers. Right. And, and, and I like that. Um, it, it's a thing that you really can't get away with as a wizard. You have to have something in your favor to help stack your deck because otherwise you're not going to be effective with a bunch of spells that op, uh, option the spell resistance to be rolled. And you're going to lose a lot of spells to spell resistance if you don't plan accordingly for your character build. Right, so you can't just run around with a bunch of targeted spells that, especially high level. Yep. You have to have you have to. You should be prepared 
to um, help out the party and switch up your um, game plan. When you have uh, that, the number of spells that your high-level casters have, you can afford to have a couple of different strategies built in instead of just, you know, pounding the opposition with your combat spells. I think in third edition, a lot of people had kind of shown, except with some maybe um, edge case um, spells, the casters were more um, effective at controlling the battlefield. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Once than, got then direct damage anyway. Yeah. Battlefield control is always better than direct damage. Right. Which a lot of these save or die, save or suck type spells are anyway. Sleep is definitely a battlefield control spell. You don't have to kill the folks you sleep. You could just tie them up. Yeah. Um, slow is like that. And confusion as well. Those are ones we haven't even talked about. Slow and, uh, the, and cast in combination. It's really great. And web. Yes, Baron. Web is great. Grease. Stinking cloud. Yeah. Can have a better chance of affecting a lot more creatures. And um, instead of just targeting one with a lightning bolt or magic missile. Fog cloud. Fog cloud. If you need to reposition, you drop fog, fog cloud. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, I, those save or die spells, I think, are really important. <laughs> or save, save or suck spells are are super important in your repertoire. You have to have them. You really do. <laughs> your enemies is sell your enemies a slave labor. <laughs> Where are we getting that from? Oh, because putting to sleep. Well, I guess yeah, yeah. You put them to sleep and then you tie them up and then they're now yours. They're That's part right. of the treasure. Yeah, exactly. Give them to the you know the local uh, um, Shanghaiers, and when they when they come to, they're on a boat. <laughs> or you can use them to uh, be trap finders. Exactly. Build <laughs> the bridge out of them. Well, especially if you have um, a convenient charm person in your back pocket, you can do them one at a time. Yeah, you're my best friend. I'm your best friend. <laughs> Go open that door for me, best friend. Yeah, charm person. Yeah. When you use dread is great. Yeah, some versions of charm person are, are um, less effective than others, but as long as you're, most of them, as long as you're making a reasonable command, they're going to follow it. Yeah. Which is another save or suck. Yeah. Charm person. Was, yeah, was another save. In early versions, you could, you, when you, once you, they failed their saving throw, they could be your charmed buddy for a long time, months yes. and months. It wasn't just a matter of rounds like it is in, you know, your newer versions of the yeah, game. Yeah, oh, yeah, totally. I mean, it, that could be, you know, like you said, a, a good charm cast at high level. That guy's your friend for years. Yeah, I think uh, one of the things that uh, the newer versions have in their spell design is they're so geared for the combat session, for the combat scene, that they have little effect outside of combat. A lot of spells. Because they only last a number of rounds a lot of times. I mean, there's some spells that last longer than that. And I'm not real familiar with 
fifth edition, but it seems like that's the way a lot of them went. I mean, uh, OG, you're a little more familiar with fifth edition than, than we are. Yes. Uh, do you, do, are there many spells that are worth, that can be uh, effective outside of combat that have long durations? Uh, I mean, not, not like that, b- b- before. Yeah, back and, in the day, they had spells that were a day per level. Yeah. You know, <laughs> um, or permanent. There are some, like the, the spells that create things. You can sell, like, you know, uh, what's the one that makes, like, create food or, you know. Heroes Feast. Sorry about berry, that. You know, stuff like that. Once once you make that barrier, make that bowl of goop, it'll last. If once you cast that wall of stone, that wall of stone's there. It's never that it's never going away. Um, but a lot of the other spells are are a lot shorter because they're meant to be combat spells. A lot of the thinking was not along the lines of campaign altering spells. It was a lot of the spells are designed to just be one and done cast a spell, and then, you know, cast my infinite amount of cantrips. Uh, if you if you throw a well-designed wizard against a DM who's used to being D5E, then uh, you can completely dominate the campaign just by saying, well, I didn't memorize any combat spells. All I memorized was battlefield control spells, which don't have any saves. <laughs> Save against my wall. <laughs> Right, right. I get that. So maybe they just kind of stirred the pot and made different spells more effective or more uh, your go-to. The it, fifth edition, before it got ruined, was an attempt to recapture a certain feel, which it had, but it also wanted to apl- appeal to the video game crowd and still have that same what they tried to do with fourth but failed so it had that sense of nostalgia the sense of oh this reminds me a lot of third and second it feels very comfortable to being playing fifth it's simple it's fast the spells feel like they used to be but there's also a lot more cinematic and a lot more short-term spells and of course the saver suck was completely gone because nobody wanted to place somebody in a position where their character was you know held because right. it might trigger something uh, <laughs> so if, like the first two years 5e was fine it, it, it was what dungeons and dragons should have been at that point in time um going the direction that they were going if you just completely ignore fourth mm, mm, i get if what it, you're saying it's all the progression yeah, progression if, right, yeah. right right if you go third through fifth and ignore right. fourth the progression feels natural and for the first two years, Wizards of the Coast, where Hasbro was playing the cor- playing their cards very close. You saw um, like two books that came out the first year, and hardly any adventures. There were no splat books. There were very there was very little errata. There was nothing that they were playtesting. They wanted to see how people were doing, and they wanted to see how they could compete with Peso. And then after that two-year gap where they saw, okay, yeah, we're, we're doing okay, that's when everything just went to 
you know. Yeah, I remember the initial the disaster that we're complaining about now. <laughs> right, right. I remember the initial release and they were like, yeah, we're not going to really make a bunch of books uh, because that was the, the problem from early on. It's like, yeah, it was really. And uh, yeah, it didn't take it took them a few a couple of a few years, like you're saying. Um, to grow beyond that. Uh, hmm. I wonder if that was something that they. Uh, kind of in the back of their minds they were planning on and they were just biding their time because they did have to get um, they did have to get market share back from from Paizo. Oh, there's no question. Yeah. They had to see if they still had an audience. Right, right. They, di they didn't know. They had so lost their audience with fourth. Fifth was a, a, a Hail Mary. <laughs> there, there was a lot of concern on their part that they wouldn't capture the nostalgia crowd back that the name didn't have the the punch that it did four years before because everything was pathfinder or ogl and fourth you you mentioned fourth and somebody tries to strangle you so the first two years of, of fifth they were very careful very cautious they still had some respect for the ip and some respect for the audience and they realized that the disaster that they had made with fourth and then they're like, ah, eh, we're making money. Let's just see what we can get away with. I wonder if also had to do with um, a thing that has happened across many, um, across many industries where um, certain sorts of people got into the HR departments. And once those sorts of people got into the, got there and had the ability to hire um, like-minded people, Right. If they wanted to impose, they want to impose is probably not the right word, but they wanted to, uh, um, for lack of a better word, impose their their worldview onto the game. Uh, I mean, it's not like uh, Wizards didn't have didn't have progressives in it already. It just it didn't seem like they were all that that um, hell bent on expressing that through the game uh even paizo wasn't for a while i mean there you didn't see it in the game as much as when they started their second edition version and had the big what page three or page four de debacle with their um page six actually page six right we're gonna, yeah we're gonna make sure that every table that you set up is a safe space right players and we're not gonna have anybody feeling marginalized, like back in the old days. And I'm thinking, wait, it was the gamers of the old days that opened their tables to everybody. You have transvestites sitting next to Bible thumpers, next to people that just want to kill orcs, and they all want to do one thing, and that was level up and get magic items. Exactly, yeah. Cool. Yeah. We don't want anybody to feel marginalized. The only people that are making people feel marginalized is you by saying there are people who feel marginalized, because nobody felt marginalized. I was there. Nobody felt marginalized. Right, right. I mean, there could be um, edge cases, like in all things. Yeah. But I don't even know anybody that knows anybody that marginalized players. They're like, you want to play? We have a table. Yep. Yep. The only marginalization was either if they were an asshole or if they right. just didn't fit your group. It's like, you know, you don't fit our group. It's, right. It's a different game. And everybody was cool with that. 
I mean, you might have some hurt feelings over, I can't play at your table, but uh, that's about it. That's about it. Yeah, I think uh, um, the role-playing industry is like every other one. They have their hiring practices, and once they got the right, wrong people in the right positions, things just have gone in that direction. It, it doesn't hurt or it doesn't help the general populace of hobby players that most of us don't give a shit about Tumblr. Right. And those are the two main, main forms of indoctrination that they're using. And most of us don't want to be part of it. We, we want to just play. Leave me the fuck alone and tell me when you've got your new splat book ready because I want to buy it. But they don't want to do that. They want to make sure that you're not a, a Yahtzee. And that's crazy. Correct. I, 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 a lot of the stuff, no one would... A lot of the stuff that is the representation issues that are just getting under, I would say, it's hard to say the whether it's more more players that are getting it's getting under their skin rather than folks that are embracing it it's hard to say i would like to say that it's more people that it's, it's getting under their skin but they're still willing to buy the books because well it's D, so i gotta have books yeah completionist right 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 and I, I like good for those few people that are here that are already subscribed. <laughs> Thank you. So, um, while we are on that, uh, subscribe tip, we have the OGGM. Ah, I'm the OGGM. Why don't you pimp out your stuff? Okay. For those of you who are not subscribed to my blog yet, subscribe. I had a thousand subs by January first. I'll plug in the camera because so many complain. People complain they have to uh, My channel is mostly dedicated to news uh, and uh, some commentary and sarcasm regarding the news. Uh, occasional reviews, but mostly I just report on what's going on in the tabletop ho hobby um, and try and remain at least somewhat impartial. Uh, I do have my soapbox I go on occasionally, but more more often than not, I'm just talking about this is what's going on in the industry. Uh, I just report it. It's not my fault. Don't get mad at me. <laughs> Sometimes I make mistakes and some people call me out and I'm more than happy to fix them. Uh, but in general, I just want to be the guy who just lets you know what's going on and then tries to explain it to people in language they could understand, like the whole Wizards of the Coast lawsuit thing. So that's Did what my channel does. It's mostly news stuff like that. So subscribe. Did you make a video about uh, the the lawsuit issues? I I've made three. Three, three so far. Okay. Three so far regarding well, the weirdness of the lawsuit, uh, which well, has now changed yet again. Right, because uh, you had the one lawsuit, which ended up they ended up dropping. TSR three point five dropped their lawsuit. But then. I've 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 heard that Wizards has now has started one against TSR. Well, they filed it on the sixth. It uh, hit the doc hit the docket today, which is why the the news went up today. Okay. And it's a two part 
lawsuit, which again, you need to do two separate lawsuits. You, you have a better chance, but uh, the first part of the lawsuit is saying, since so many people associate the name TSR with Dungeons and Dragons and we own Dungeons and Dragons, we should have the copyright to TSR as well because the people who are associated with TSR right now are, are doing things that take away from the hobby. So that's the first part of the lawsuit, more or less. Uh, okay, and uh, Baron, not Baron, Bruce Lombardo, why don't you pimp out your stuff? All right. Well, my name is Bruce Lombardo, and I am a friend of our friend Comics Division, and uh, just showing them the merch real quick. Ah. I want you for Dick's Division. Okay. And uh, I'll show the merch for Legion of Myth, because truth is the new hate speech. Yeah. <laughs> that's your merch? That's, that's merch from Legion of Myth, actually. Legion of Myth. Okay. Yep. So anyway, I, and, and I think it's important to support your friends. Uh, once you guys get your own merch going, I'll be buying mugs and uh, tumblers and such off you too. Uh, what I'd like is uh, to just talk to you about my YouTube channel. I sent you a DM on Discord, which has my link in it. It goes to my channel. That channel has been around for a few years, and I could always use a few more subs if you like a hot take opinion. Uh, what you see here is basically... What you get in majority of streams, Bruce is painting figurines. I occasionally will show my face where I throw on a, an obnoxious Bob Ross wig and I talk about things, or maybe I just do my Bob Ross impression and we have a nice chill stream. And we do things like that, and sometimes uh, I'll be doing a, a stream and our friend Shauner will come in and say, my audio sounds like shit, he'd unsubscribe. But <laughs> we, have a, <laughs> we have a good time, and... I do live streams for my gaming every three weeks. So if you want to see a DM lose control of this table, you're more than welcome to, to show up and, and watch me. Uh, I, I do a really good Matt Mercer impersonation where the players have more run of the table than I do. But we're, we're getting through it. It's an enjoyable campaign, uh, one I've set in Frog God Games universe because I love Frog God Games' world, The Lost Lands. Oh, yeah, great setting. Yeah, it is, and it, it's home to uh, the the two campaigns I love the most, which one of them is a campaign called the Slumbering Czar Saga, <laughs> one of the coolest campaigns ever, and that's a campaign that actually fired off the company and got them what they have because they used it as a Kickstarter to get their offices set up, and then the second campaign is actually just a giant book in the, the world called Rapana Thuck, and as much as people that play 5th edition versions of Rapana Thuck might say they've beaten it, 5th edition is not a, a good, uh, it's not a real good system to use uh, lethal, uh, lethality and try to judge a system because it's far too easy to keep a character alive. So before 5th Ed came out, nobody had officially beaten Rapanathuk. And when I say official, I mean like with actual characters where they went level by level, room by room, and did raids and actually had tactical thinking. In 5th edition, things can get a little dicey. There's some splat books out there which make make you want to buy other books, which make you want to buy other systems if you're a DM. Anyway, that's me. I'm Bruce. Come see me. 
Thank you for joining us tonight at Biggest Geekest Podcast. We are one of the coolest podcasts on the web, though. And I would say that to anybody because you guys need to be a subscriber. Oh, oh, oh. You said the word. Subscribe. Subscribe to Biggest Geekest. Rapanath. That is, um, I have the first version, I believe, that was released. Um, The three book set? The three book set. Um, and I have to say, I don't, there's a lot of, there is a path to victory, but there are many, many paths to death, (laughs) um, that you could just accidentally end up in this one layer. And I don't see how you, I don't see how you make it out unless you run. Yeah, it is a, it is a classic old school Mega dungeon slogathon, uh, hundreds and hundreds of pages of information. Level was like, was it 13 levels? More like 15 or 16 now, because they've added some. And right, and there's like several sublevels, sub levels, lots of sub levels. There's a whole orc um, city mm-hmm. as well. Gresnek, yeah. city of the orcs. And if uh, I don't know if they have. I'm putting up the biggest geekest links here because I have them all, and they will be in the show notes as well. Um, there's a wand that has thirty that has fifty charges of meteor swarm. <laughs> if you can find it. <laughs> Now I don't know what they what uh, the fifth edition version of Rapanathok has in it. I'm sure it doesn't have that because the magic items in fifth edition got pretty nerfed. But, yeah. Um. I'm sure it's something okay. The, I, I'll tell you the one. I think the one magic item that wasn't nerfed that I have experience with in fifth edition is the Vorpal Sword. Um. But if you have that, it's one of your three, one of your three, um, what's the word? What's attuned. the word? Attuned items, which is, you know, fun. I, did, I, don't, I don't like that mechanic at all. How to follow on Twitch. There's only seven so far. BG needs 50 followers. Eight streamed on different seven different days and three concurrent viewers over 30 days for monetization. Thanks, Shads. Oh, I didn't know that that was the uh, calculation there. There's your, your recipe. So seven. Oh, I thought I would have four. There's seven now. Okay, that's great. Well, I'm following you now, so it should be eight. <laughs> Unless I am number seven. I can refresh that particular tab. Yeah, well, it says seven. Uh-huh. So you were maybe seven. So seven. Oh, that's... So I only need 40 some odd more to go. And you need to stream for eight hours over seven days. And then have three viewers remain loyal for 30 days to get Twitch monetization. Yeah. Followers, I believe, of this. The other stuff is doable just by doing it. 
um, well, at least the eight hours streamed on seven seven different days. That's a doable thing. I can just do that. But the other stuff needs needs cooperation <laughs> of from other people. Uh, at least 30, uh, 43 more. That'll take time. Please subscribe to Biggest Geekus. A never-ending quest for monetization. I, I feel that as somebody who's had a YouTube channel for 12 years. <laughs> 379 well, subscribers. Woo! I wonder if it'll be, it'd be quicker if we could put out some kind of product. Uh, some sort of gaming product that might happen before we have enough subscribers to um, actually make a difference here to, on t Twitch or on or on uh, YouTube. YouTube requires a lot more. Or on, or on uh, YouTube, YouTube requires a lot more. OGGM, uh, mute your YouTube, please, or your your. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, I think. Um, you need a thousand subscribers on on YouTube yep. to even. For some reason, a thousand is the magic number on YouTube. That's a lot. Four thousand watch hours. Yeah. Right. 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 Yeah, that's a lot. Um, I've got a quarter of that, and I've got a third of of the viewers or subscribers. So I'm on my way. Aaron's got over a thousand of all people. I guess they yeah. think he's cute. Shadzar says, "Just do unboxing videos on Twitch." Oh. That, that is one way to do it. I guess I, I've never understood why those people like those. Um, they want to see what they're getting, you know, or see curiosity or the ASMR or whatever. Yeah. This one here, it's an IPEVO, IPEVO. It's a 4K camera. It's got a crappy microphone, so don't use that. But you set it up, and it's about 10 inches or 12 inches high, and you can set your product underneath it and <laughs> enjoy. Oh, you can just enjoy the, the subscriber count going up. I already did my unboxing of Twilight 2000. You know, well, you, know, you have to have some disposable income to do those unboxings. And yeah. mine, I just, I did get yeah. a, um, a couple of small books. It's I can't do an unboxing because I've already taken them out of their original shipping containers. But uh, I can at least show them um, to people. I got a um, got a book. I already showed this on another episode. I got uh, Roll of the Lost, the Last Sun. Nice. It's a nice sized book with it's a Gonzo setting, and it has some interesting. It's it's a fun read so far, and I got a reprint of because um, I didn't want to pay fifty bucks for. A, a very old book, um, The Principalities of Glantry. Oh, yes, nice. it's a reprint, so it was only twenty bucks. That that's a good book. I always like Kermikios myself and the Grand Duchy of Thay, but you know, it would be it would be nice to to have that. I had years ago. I had probably half of those gazetteers. And then I went on a selling frenzy and why don't do have them anymore. Do things? <laughs> huh? why? why do we do that? Why do we just uh, do stupid things? Right. Uh, well, cause you know, if it's a choice between keeping my books and starving, I'll sell my books. 
Oh, typically, right. yes. I, I guess maybe I'm one of the few lucky people that I, I have a, a vocation that will never go out of business. And uh, for those of you that are wondering what I do, uh, I drive a septic tank trucker, a septic tank truck, and I pump grease traps and septic tanks. So, yeah. As long as, people are, as long as people are pooping, you'll have a job. Yeah, exactly. As long as we have people, I'll be, I'll be fine. Yeah, I'm reminded of uh, the Red Green Show. I can't remember the name of the company, but one of the regular characters on there was um, blah, blah, blah's um, sewer sucking service. Yes. <laughs> it's a good show. It's one of, I, I imagine if someone tried to make that show uh, these days, it would be way different because it, it was a bunch of white guys from uh, Canada um, in a hunting lodge. It's a great show. My summer job video was based on a Finland version of Bruce. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I know. Okay, yeah. My summer job, the video game. Yeah. It's a a video game? Yeah. Oh, video game, right. And, yeah. That sounds like fun. I know that sounds stupid, but that sounds like a fun game. Um, the, the, yeah, the, I, I think if you want to get some good subscribers on Twitch, do a couple of unboxings if you have the disposable income. But I actually think if you just find, like, there's a free game called Path of Exile, and most potatoes and toasters will run that. It's not too high of requirements. It's a pretty game, too. What's it called again? Path of Exile. Path of Exile. It sounds familiar. It's a Diablo. It's yeah, it's Diablo-esque. Oh, okay, okay. Um, I recommend that you just play and stream that, and you should have a lot of subscribers, a lot of followers, and you're gonna find that there's a lot of guides. I would recommend going through the guides as a as a stream. Go through the newest beginner guides that are that are high rated, highly rated. And you'll figure out as you're tabbing between the game and then tabbing between the guides, you'll start putting two and two together. And then after about two hours, fire it up and start the game, create a character and start rolling and you'll get the hang of it pretty quick. Hmm. But there's, there's some guides out there to help you make really overpowered characters and the paths you have to take because they call it paths because the, all the skills that you level up in game are on one skill tree. But yeah, the skill tree is amazing. Skill tree is great, and and it has different locations for each of the characters. So some characters will have more access to doing higher mana spells. Some characters will have more uh, more uh, strength because they're melee based. It's a really good game that gives you customization in spades. So I, I do recommend it. I, I try that, do a couple streams of it, and you should have an increase in your subscriber count. Hmm. And Shadzar's like, you don't need income. We could unbox stuff you already own. Make Randy show off some of his unboxed or uh, boxed first edition sets and just play the video as a media source and OBS as you talk it over on camera. 
Yeah, I'm going to type this down. You can shed are being all smart and stuff. Well, this all is right. a new game. This is a new game for me. Um, oh, I whole, this whole online thing. I don't understand the first thing. <laughs> um, podcasting in and of itself isn't a hard... Um, isn't necessarily a hard thing to do. Um, get in front of a camera and talking. Because uh, Randy and I, that's what we do anyway. We get together, we talk about the game. And the, our podcast is essentially just putting us in front of a camera and doing what we did anyway. Um, so it's just there's only going to be so many people interested in that, I think. Yeah, maybe. But I don't, I don't think we need... Uh, we don't need a bunch. I mean, you get a thousand folks that like you a lot, then you can work with that. You don't need a million people like some people do. Yeah. Or it, it, I think you hit on the head there. Path of Exile. All right. I haven't written Grind, down because if I don't, I will forget. It. It's from Grinding Gear Games. It's free to download. It's free to play. Uh, is it a Steam game or is it just standalone? No, either or. You could play it on Steam, or you could play it through Grinding Gears website. But Steam, Steam is a, a easier way to network with everybody. Yeah. So you think it's a it's a superior to do? I, superior to which? Do you think Steam is superior? I mean, is it a, is it a web based game? Yes. Oh, okay. But you you could interact with that. And you show people it, it's Shadzar says it's discount Diablo, but I actually think it's superior to Diablo three and Diablo two. Uh, Diablo two is a, a happy game for me. I, I have a, a happy set of memories of it, but I don't want to play it again. Path of Exile, they come out with new seasons, new content, lots of lots of different uh, things happening on Path of Exile every year. Yeah. Oh, even though it's free, is it one? Is it one of those uh, free to play, and then you can throw in a bunch of money to make you you uh, more successful? No, <laughs> no, you don't become more successful. What happens is you get uh, bling or various effects put on your body, or maybe you'll leave little lava footprints behind you, but you never you never get mechanical benefits for the. No, game. so it's not a play to win type scenario. No, or pay to win. No, no. it's a, a pay. It's a pay to look good. Okay. All, all, the, all the cosmetics you are are, pay, are paid for, and that's how Grinding Gear mostly supports it. All the all the stuff is done. All the items are done through trade auctions. Um, but instead of trading with um, gold like you do in WoW, it's all trade for materials. Yeah, the materials okay. in that game that that drop. Because crafting is a huge thing in that game. Yeah, that, that's their economy. And I know a lot of uh, playing um, MMOs back in the day, EverQuest, people really love their character being decked out. So I can imagine that's uh, – and people, people will pay for it, I'm sure. Oh, my God. Yeah, they, they pay a lot of money to look good on that game. Uh, I, I've put $75 into the game for my own self, but that was mainly just to increase my guild stash because I've got a guild. Uh, I don't play it that often, but – we have oh. like 12 tabs, 15 tabs in our guild stash. Right. I get what you're saying. Yeah. Pay to have, to be able to store more stuff. Gotcha. Yeah. And our, our, like 
my main character is a 72 level. Uh, my best friend's main character is 88th, 89th, somewhere around there. And we're we're kind of high level, but I don't play it enough to, to give a shit. I've played it for 10 years. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha, gotcha. Baron also says, look at Epic every week. Epic uh, Game Store, they give away free games all the time. I have Epic um, on my computer. I just haven't done a lot with it. I can't remember what game. There was, oh, what's the name of this game? I can't remember. There's a game that I that I got turned on to, and it's all right. But it's kind of, um, I don't know. It's kind of weird. It's an MMO. Um, it's kind of, in my opinion, kind of directionless play. Um, it's difficult to figure out what you're supposed to do. You know, you talk, uh, you talk to everybody, I guess, but they don't really, doesn't seem to point you really very well. Hmm. Which I guess, um, I guess it's not a huge problem. You just go around and do stuff. Yeah. That's kind of where I'm at on Skyrim. I, I could just talk to one of six or seven people and I have an adventure for the next 15 minutes and then I'm done. All right. Fast travel back home. What am I doing now? Right. Baron G rocks. I can get older games for not much money on, on good old games, which is one of my favorite sites. I really like GOG actually. GOG. Uh, I haven't looked at that site in a long time. Shads are, I'm not 89th level. My character is 72. And now uh, Chris's character is 89th level. And uh, the, the big Greg, he's at 81st. But those guys play a lot. Adventure Quest 3D is the game I was ta- trying to remember. Uh, Adventure Quest 3D. It's okay. I, I would say it's kind of bland. But I'm not a big I'm not a big video game player either. I'm more of a casual gamer. So if I'm gonna play a video game, I'd like it to be able to it to be set up for me to just jump in for a little bit and jump out. But uh Yep. But a lot of MMOs you gotta you gotta do the raid thing and that's hard to do to I got I got froze again. <laughs> Surprise. Maybe if I can figure out what my lag issue is. It's probably my ISP. And there's not a whole lot I'm gonna be able to do about that. Yeah, I think it's your ISP because you have this happen about once every twenty minutes. Yeah. Okay. Um any other saber suck spelled items we want to talk about that you guys want to talk about before I hit my final thing? I want to I want to nail this in the, the coffin while like casters. Oh, sure. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Let's bring this puppy home. I am a fan of spell components in a game. Now, uh, there, there's certain abilities like a shoe spell in Pathfinder where you pretty much don't have to worry about spell components over the, under the cost of a gold piece. You just need to like, I spend a day and I, I get these spell components cause I have a shoe spell, which means I don't have to go out and buy them or, you know, oh. go on a quest to procure fucking dove feathers. Um, 
you just have them. They, 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 they you just acquire them. It, it's kind of like if you are a drug addict and you are in uh, Austin, Texas, you come up with drugs at the end of the night. It, it, it's just one of those things that will happen to you. Okay. <laughs> So uh, I'm just saying, like, you know, you have these abilities like that, but I love spell components in games, and uh, in third level, like a third level spell for casual gaming would be like a piece of quartz rod for a lightning bolt spell, or yeah. you want to go adventure for, you know, well, you don't really need to adventure for Baguano if you've got a shoe spell, but you, you need these spell components, and I think that if you're having trouble as a DM, if you have casters that are whipping your ass through the game, what you need to do is just uh, you need to enforce the spell components rules and then just kind of notate on the maps where players could procure these things. And that's where you could throw monsters and difficult encounters or some role-playing possibilities for players that can't role-play their way out of a wet paper bag. You want to do things like that and make your characters work for every fucking piece of experience points they get. You don't want your players to coast through the game and just level up because they're on a treadmill that makes them fatter. No, this is not how you win. This is You don't win a, a game when it's just on autopilot. That's called 4th edition D&D. That's uh-huh. not, not what we want to play. And I, I hate for calling out that game so poorly. For a game that made great board games, the game sucked as a tabletop RPG. Anyway, enforce spell components. Make those mandatory. You will find love for the game, and your players will actually have an idea of how they want to go at being in your world because they will try to set up ways to have spell components delivered, or they'll join a guild to where they can get packages filled with these things already pre-set up. Kind of like, I hate to say, the the weekly uh, medication uh, boxes (laughs) that you see people get, but they'll, they'll buy these things. From their guild. So as a DM, you can put these things together and say, like, well, here was this uh, package here for the Enchanter. Here's this package for the Invoker. Here's this package for this uh, for the Universalist Wizard. And, you know, here's the cut prices for it. And we're giving you a discount because you're a guild member. And you can just totally fuck your players over. So, and that's what you want to do. <laughs> you want to make your characters poor. You never will have fun with the game if they are swimming in gold and diving into piles of platinum coins like Scrooge McDuck, do not let them do that. Make them work for their game, and you will have a much more rewarding time at the table. Well, I, yeah, this is a the gold thing is a bit of a conundrum when you have so many things costing lots of money, um, and treasure hoards, especially in modules. I know. It's, that's the M word for some people. Um, the haul from the, your your average first edition module, gold-wise, was tremendous. Oh, it, was, it was ridiculous. <laughs> so, but you did have things of, um, planned in the game for you to spend it on. Uh, one of those things was getting your castle or tower or some other domain. So you didn't just spend it all, all the time, but it did give you a comfortable living. Um, But yeah, I see what you're saying there. The other thing that components can do, even if you don't use the standard ones, it can give, it can show, show your world off. Yeah. So 
Yes, and recruit hired help. So have, when you have retainers, you, you they're they're not cheap. No. So <laughs> yeah, that's something else, and they're useful. It's it's nice to when you're when you've had a hard day in the dungeon, you come back to camp, and you have a nice hot meal ready for you. And your, your your horses are taken care of. Your 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 tent is well appointed, and your your um sleeping bag has been fluffed a little bit. I mean, it's all good. Or maybe they went to the inn and bought you a bed warmer, and she's snoring peaceably, waiting to you know waiting for you to come and wake her up. Oh, you're not talking about one of those little things with coals that you would put under. <laughs> I was talking about the other kind of bed warmer. <laughs> All I want to see on my pillow is those two chocolates. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, but the spell components, you could make make uh, the spell component issue somewhat exotic and uh, present a, a, a part of your world as the DM that's uh, a little more interesting than just, well, uh, for the web spell, you got to eat a spider. I mean, that's kind of <laughs> gross. And spider climb after that, though. Come on now. <laughs> I wonder. No, I need to look at that component because it, it they might be the same. I mean, oh, there, imagine there carrying live spiders. <laughs> you know, you had to swallow a pearl. There was one way to swallow a feather. Yeah, the uh, wizard's uh, intestinal tracts got to get wrecked after a while. No, no wonder they don't have any hit points. I was I was third level, and and it was getting costly to buy all the items at the pharmacist. Say that again. I was third level, and my con had dropped to six because of all the times the spider bit me on the inside of my mouth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, you're not supposed to grab a black widow. Yeah. <laughs> Common house spider, good enough. How did you get rabies, sir? Well, you know, bat guano. <laughs> you gotta go get from the bats. <laughs> Yeah, how can you carry live spiders around for too long? I mean, okay, so Randy has a story he could tell a little better, but he caught a spider in his house, a weird-looking spider, and it was in a jar or box or something like that he caught it in, rescued his wife from certain death, and then he forgot about it. And I don't know how long he said it was later, um, a week, maybe two. He's like, oh, there's that spider there. And he opens the thing and it's still alive and hungry, apparently. <laughs> so I wonder as long as you got it in something that uh, it isn't going to get crushed, it might they might live for a while. They may not need to eat. I, I had a tarantula when I was in the Navy. And every time I'd take the top off of the aquarium, that little thing would just like those two front legs immediately <laughs> I wanted to dance. I'm like, no, I'm not putting my hand in there. Here's some crickets. And that was it. I put the top back on. I realized how much of a bad idea it was to have that as a pet. Some people say um, that you can let it crawl around on you. It's no big deal. A tarantula, right? You said? Yeah, a tarantula. It was about the size, about that big around. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I let it out a couple times. It didn't really hurt me. But it did try to rake its its pinchers or the fangs on my skin, and it, was, it couldn't penetrate my. I guess I had thick skin or something. But 
this uh, he, he he was testing me for about maybe five minutes, and then he just kind of scampered off. And it, yeah, they you you can do that now apparently on YouTube. My my tarantula would mainly just chase crickets around the room because after he got done crawling around on me, he'd be like, "Okay, I can't eat this man," and uh, <laughs> I'd, I'd undo the, the the cup top and let the crickets out of the coffee cup and tarantula chase things around. My roommates did not like it that I had him loose in my room. Yeah, well, they were upset. <laughs> right. And then whenever I was in, uh, I was in South Texas over by Asherton, which is a small town with uh, a bunch of trailers that Fractech Services rented out. And one night I was walking to my little trailer, and there's this eight-inch diameter tarantula, and not eight-inch diameter, but eight inches with the legs, probably a three-inch body and abdomen. And he looked just powerful. And as I'm walking on the planks into this place, I realize I'm in their environment. I'm no longer in my own. I'm not in San Antonio. And this thing's looking at me, and I looked at it, and I went in my trailer, and I kind of shut the door and locked the door and then stuffed the rug up against the bottom of the door. I'm not arachnophobic, but when I I saw this thing, like I got the idea that it was thinking about it. I could eat for days on that fat guy. (laughs) All it has to do is knock you out some kind of way. Yeah, I know. So, Did you see this um, comment I put up? I've seen people teach tarantulas to do stuff like shaking hands and stuff. Yeah, I saw that, and I I thought, you know, I've, I've seen that on YouTube a lot. If I knew about that when I was 19 and 20, I would have done something stupid like, give me your give me your leg, and I probably would have, like, yanked the leg off. I'm like a spider now. Well, you know, you can just get another one. <laughs> You'll never back. know the difference. <laughs> there, there, there were fun pet. He, he was interesting when I was a young guy. I, I didn't realize how much fun I had with him, but I, I did have fun with that pet. I gave him away before I went off to the, to the shores of Europe, though, because that was a six-month deployment, and my neighbor was, was wanting it. So okay, here you can have it. It's about as far as it went. He had been with me for about four months, and I liked it. Well, I guess they're less maintenance than, say, a dog. You don't have to take the trench out for a walk. No. I mean, you could. It might it might uh, be a spectacle, but you don't need to. <laughs> what are you doing with that kite string, young man? I could hear that. We had a very judgmental neighbor. He was funny. All right, so... Do do does the OG GM have any um, final um, spell casting wisdom? Uh, if I could impart any spell casting wisdom on anybody who's thinking about running a spellcaster and adventuring as a spellcaster is remember if they fail their saving throw, their stuff is probably gone. So if you want to loot the bodies, don't blow them up. Battlefield control spells. Yeah, they're they're. Uh, I I became a big fan of those, as opposed to the damaging ones. Yeah, don't damage them because you know what that fireball will. There goes all this money. Well, I've had DMs. They would be like, "Okay, you fireballed them. They're dead. Let's roll to see what your fireball destroyed as well. You know, as well." Yeah, items had to make saving throws. So yeah. 
Well, there was that was a thing back in the one e two e days. You get hit by a, a breath weapon or a acid attack. You'd have to figure out what of what what of your equipment was remaining. <laughs> so, meteor swarm is the two pounds. Is there does it have two pounds of lava as a material component? I think first it had that. I think first edition had meteor swarm required two pounds of lava, and one of my friends uh, he said that whenever I cast that, I could just conjure Morhas first because the the hot back has elements of lava on it. How do you carry out two pounds of lava? I mean, you need a bucket. <laughs> yeah, a, a very strong bucket. <laughs> It'd be an elven bucket. And then at that point, you're just like, why don't I, I could just dump my lava on the guy. I don't even need to cast the spell. I just sploosh. Okay, that was way easier. <laughs> what was I thinking memorizing spells? Puckets of lava in the future, son. <laughs> Meteor Swarm doesn't have a material component. So. Really? I thought it was, I thought that was the, what you first, Yeah, first edition it didn't. Maybe in some other edition. Okay. But uh, not first edition. It just says verbal and somatic. You call down the meteor. Yeah, that's crazy. It's a nice level spell. You need a you need a material casting uh, component for that. I, I'm sorry. That's that's fine. That's fine. I mean, uh, but that you could you could as the DM impose that. Yeah, you could say I mean, the material component of meteor swarm is you have to have a chunk of meteor. <laughs> Oh, and here's a ninth level spell, Bigby's Crushing Hand. Very, very nice spell. Um, it's a, gl a glove of snakeskin in the shell of an egg. I mean, it's not nothing. It's nothing special yeah. for components. There's just some some spells that have, have that have wild components. The identify spell used to require like a 200 or 800 gold piece pearl. Pearl, yep, and you had to you had to swallow it. <laughs> yeah, change has a five thousand gold piece material component that shatters at the end of the duration of the spell. Yeah. So every time you cast shape change, you spend five thousand gold. So same thing with uh, any of the resurrections or raised dead. Yeah, they're expensive. Yeah, those, those are thousand gold piece gem. It's expensive being a wizard. Yeah, That's okay. Just, you know, at first level, you're getting six, seven hundred gold pieces. So. You just save up. Well, uh, Shadzar, the the Hackmaster Fifth Edition Bestiary and the Fourth Edition Bestiaries for Hackmaster gave you the spell component yield for each creature in those collections. That's the one thing I like about Hackmaster. Yeah, the Fifth Edition Monster Book is really nice for Hackmaster. Yeah, I, I need to get a hold of that because I'm a I'm a fan. It's kind of like um, it's called the Hacklopedia of Beasts. So it's it has encyclopedia like entries, and uh, like a lot of uh, like um, fifth edition has like the Volo's Guide and a couple other well known like monster documenters. So there's a documenter a, a group that's kind of the the, the lore in. Hackmaster that is the that are the characters behind some of the write-ups or all the write-ups in the in the Hacklepedia Beast, you know, oh, fictional, cool. fictional, fictional characters 
that are like, oh, this is our opinions and stuff like that. It's pretty cool. Are you I mean, a, are you a Hackmaster fan? Oh, I've been a Hackmaster fan since before it was an actual system. Uh-oh. <laughs> okay. Back back in the day when it was just talked about in uh, Nice at the Dinner Table, and when I found out they were making the the game, I was like, oh, I need to get that. Um, never really played it though. We played Hackmaster 4E to third level. Uh, most of us were third level. There was a, a fourth level or a fifth level thief, but that was that was a very fun and interesting game. But man, if you if you rolled crappy on the uh, hindrances and flaws, oh buddy! And we had a fighter that had only one arm. <laughs> yeah, I rolled up a character in the f- the fifth edition version, and he's missing fingers. <laughs> yeah. How many fingers was it? Four. Oh, great. So one hand is kind of, it's all off of one hand. Maybe three is it makes the one hand kind of useless. Yeah, that's one of my favorite systems that nobody plays. I, I, I do like fifth edition quite a bit. In fact, I'm using the speed factor from fifth edition <coughs> for the, uh, the third edition rewrite that I'm doing for D and D. So I like that better than by rounds. I like it by the second. And therefore, like if you've got a dagger, you might attack every six seconds, or if you've got a great sword, you might get an attack off every twelve seconds. Or I'm casting meteor swarm. Well, that'll be in about fifteen seconds because you're slow, or you 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 stammer, things like that. I, I think it's great. I really yeah. Do. Yeah, I, I like the. I haven't. I've played through one time the fifth edition initiative system just to see what it was like. Um, the promise of it. Well, Chatsar has something over here about the magic shop. And uh, we need to talk about that because that's an important, I think, okay. element that third edition brought in that kind of ruined the game. But uh, the thing that I liked, uh, liked reading about the second by second initiative is it provided a more dynamic, provides a more dynamic um, scrum like fight. Yeah. Uh, like a Max talks about, but I think there's an easier way. I think to do it is just to roll your initiative every round, and then it changes and it's more scrum like that way. But I do like um, the way it looks on paper. I've only played through it once and it was real clunky, but that's only because I only played it the one time. I was I only ran it the one time. I didn't know it very well. Anyway, the magic shop thing. Even a cleric had, before the magic shop, a cleric even had to work up to use some things. Yeah, because a lot of their high-level magic had some in, um, expensive material components. I think the resurrection was diamonds. Yes. Expensive diamonds. But um, in third edition, you basically had the magic item economy, the magic shop. Yeah. And I think that was a bad, I think it was a bad move. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm going to lay the finger of blame at Monty Cook because I think he's the reason why we have the magic shop economy in 3.0 and on, onward from there because you have these uh, the desire for the characters built into the game from Monty. He wanted you to be able to buy everything within 15 minutes that you needed and you'd have like a 
a 15 or a 30 minute adventuring day where you went to uh, do your memorizations, you prepared yourself, got armored up with a party, and then you went down to the dungeon and you hacked apart some things in the, the sewers or in the caves. And then after you had four combats, you came quickly back up to the surface or wherever your solace is to rest and repair. And uh, tomorrow you'll do this again for another 30 or 45 minutes. And they, they did this. And I, I had a problem with it because my players in third edition kept literally resting between four and seven encounters. They would force me like, no, we, we want to rest. I'm like, God damn it. So out come the random encounter die, and they really hated that. So the first time they had a chance to conjure Leoman's tiny hut or other extra-dimensional reserve spells to pull them out of the fire, they, they would jump on that escape hatch as quickly as they could. And it kind of ruined the game for me a bit. I'm sorry, Mar Hawkman. I know you find my my complaining here to be music to your ears, but <laughs> just just how I how I envision it because I thought like, no, we we venture until the day's done. Yeah, I can right. see why the players would spam resting though. Yeah. Right. Um, I don't know if that was. I don't know what brought that on in third edition. They didn't have the rest mechanic um, like fifth edition has or fourth. Oh, no, no. I mean, there's always the you could go and rest, but. Yeah, and you had to rest. A lot, lot longer periods of time to get way less aback. The, you know, yeah, magic, the whole 15 minute work day. Yeah, and the magic healing was still like, you know, the thing you needed in the old days. To, you could go to the inn and rest, but you know you're looking at one hit point a day. So yeah, but fifth question, you know, is take a nap, eat a sandwich, you're fine. Yeah, I don't remember. I remember saying, "Hey, I don't have any spells," and everybody's like, "Okay, well, we're still going. We got still. plenty of points. You can okay. carry stuff. You got hit points. Throw rocks. Yeah." <laughs> Or at some point you might find a wand or scrolls. So there's there's you know there's stuff you can do. Yeah. Just throw rocks when you're out of spells. Direct the do, direct the lesser mortals that are before you. You go do do swing your sword the other way. You know wizards got stuff they can do. Yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know where the that where the short day came from back in the day we just kept going just kept going you, yeah you you um adventured until all of your resources were depleted you know your hit points um especially if the fighter was down to almost no hit points you didn't have any clear healing left any of that stuff you went to the bitter end and you didn't go back to town unless you really had to you usually you know, you found a, a room with one exit and you spiked the door closed and you hope nothing was going to bur- burrow in or break the door in. And you rest there. Right. And I, I, so I think some people thought that a hit point gain 
per night of full bed rest. Most tried to min max when they first saw it. Don't take damage and don't have to rest. Marhawkman is saying in his Hyperborea game that we'd always stop to rest anytime we thought we'd die if we got into another fight. Yeah, same kind of thing. Yeah. You get to the point where you're like, okay, we're we're living on the very you know, very thin edge, so it's time to rest. And oh different versions of the game had different, you know, um ways that you get your stuff back, like spells for wizards, because um first edition it's fifteen minutes per spell level. In Beckme, it's just an um, once you get your eight hours, you study for an hour and you're good. But first edition was brutal. Fifteen minutes per spell level. It took a long time to, to memorize your spells. And um, I don't know when um, overnight you cure your hit points to full. I think that came in. Was that third edition? Second edition gave you a hit point a night. I thought. Right. I think first edition was the same. So, uh, it, resting overnight really only got spells back. Then your cleric would heal everybody up, and then you might have to, you might have to hole up somewhere for days, getting all your hit points, getting enough hit points to where you think you could, you know, go on. Uh, when the fighter is resting in bed for two weeks, that is when the wizard goes and collects live spiders, acorns, and other things. <laughs> That's when you get your stuff. Um, uh, old D&D, uh, in Beckme, you didn't have material components individually listed for your spells. Oh. It was What it was was the wizard's robes was assumed to be stuffed full of weird things that you would use in in the commission of your spell casting, but they weren't they weren't detailed. Um, does 5e even have material components OG some but not as many as before you still have to do the verbal and and somatic but yeah there's still some spells that require material components but most of them are just you know cast and forget (laughs) especially those zero level spells they don't need any components what was that last thing you just said Except for like the zero level spells, then there's you know no components required. Well, yeah, you can't have components when you're spamming that thing. That's one thing. I thought I was gonna like that, but I, it ends up I don't. The spamming zero level spells. Well, well, one thing is is the cantrips are powerful. Yeah, okay, they're, not, yeah. they're not just tri- they're not just minor tricks, and. Um, I think it's just a different it's a different feel for the game. If your wizard always has a powerful thing it can do, and there's no, I mean, can't you don't lose the ability to cast cantrips, right? There's no, no way to, unless there's some weird effect somewhere in the game. But it's not like if you cast all of your other spells, you can still cast your cantrips. Oh, you could be casting rare frost for days, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of weird. 
Oh, I didn't know that. 4E, according to Shadzar, 4E moved all material components to rituals. Huh. Didn't know that. So no material components for your uh, common spells. It's a, It creates a whole different feel to your game. You're just pointing your finger, or maybe not even doing that. It's, yeah, it's, it's making it more like a video game, yeah. Yeah. You need a bone to animate. Oh, I guess in um, Hyperborea? Oh, okay. In Hyperborea, Mar, Hawk, Mar Hawkman is uh, talking about um, Hyperborea. Some spells, there's this logical part of the... Um, it's a logical part of the spell. Like one is the spell apparently animates a bone to attack things. So you actually you have to have a bone to animate. Yep. Yeah. So that makes sense. Necromancers. You know, I think necromancers should just be the bad guys. I don't think so. <laughs> uh oh. I I don't think so, you boob. <laughs> necromancers and uh witches and all the all the iconic bad guys should stay bad guys that would be great if they would warlocks you know oh you converse the demon for your spell abilities yeah i would love it if warlocks stayed bad guys but they didn't so no well i think they made a mistake with how they how they did uh, sorcerers. They should just made sorcerers since they um, they pretty much consort um, some other some monstrous being to gain their power in some kind of way. They have a relationship through blood. Yes. Um, I think they should have just went with more traditional things. What what the sor what sorcerers were, which were they consorted with the infernal powers, if not even summoned them. Um, that's what they were in um, the Belgariad, I believe. Yeah. The so sorcerers would they consorted with demons, and they were the bad guys. You you didn't have a good guy at sorcerer. Necromancers, I mean, they animate. When you're dead, you should be buried or dealt with appropriately, and then you're you're remains are sacred a necromancer yeah. messes with the sacred they should be pariah yes the necro and they had uh, the death master as well which some folks wanted to play as a um, character class as a regular character class but no i like necromancers the, the book Libris Mortis is my favorite 3.5 book. Made Necromancers really cool, really deadly. I know my DM liked them. Liked it. Anything to do with... Uh, Randy always likes um, undead, constructs, and, and demons. Those are his favorite things to throw at. And dragons, of course. You need to talk to Randy more. Sorry. <laughs> Well, hopefully we can get him to do a live stream. He he's uh, he's okay with doing um, the video, but he's much better. He's much more comfortable doing 
podcasting than he is doing the video part. Sure. All um, right. Comfortable. Yeah. All right. I think I am yawning a lot. We have been on here a little over two hours, which means oh. uh, I cannot re repost this on Twitter. <laughs> I mean, on uh, Twitch because uh, it's too long. But can you uh, it between uh, two? Can you cut the stream between uh, the like the halfway point? Um, you know, I probably could do that. You can do it in two. Yeah, we'll probably break it into two. Um, so, is there any any final words either of you want to um, impart before we sign off here? Uh, happy holidays. Support our blogs. Uh, subscribe to everybody you see here and everybody you see in the chat. Stay safe and, you know. Uh, it's a silly time of the year again. So uh, those friends of yours that are kind of loners or they, uh, they're they they're alone, uh, just kind of touch base with them, see how they're doing. Make sure that you don't let those guys linger and go those girls linger in a, a mental uh, prison because a lot of times during the holidays, uh, people tend to get depressed. Oh That's God, yes. Northern climbs. So you want to you want to touch base with your people, uh, and and don't forget your family as well. You know, you want to you want to be more of a social person from now until at least like Super Bowl Sunday. After that, you know, go into hibernation for a few weeks. Skip Valentine's Day. It's a crappy holiday with bad chocolate, but you're you're gonna be fine. Just just make sure your friends don't like become one of the twenty two. That's all I got to say. Well, um, on behalf of Randy, who can't be here, I would like to thank OGGM and Bruce Lombardo of Dick's Division for helping me out to get Biggest Geekus, uh, Biggest Geekus on its maiden live voyage. I Congratulations. appreciate it. Congratulations. You're now a um, I also like to thank everybody who dropped by, Shadzar and Mar Hockman, who are still here. Um, um, Garrett. Yeah, Garrett was here earlier. I don't know if he said bye, but he hasn't posted in a while, so he must have dropped out. And to the three people who <laughs> subscribed this evening, thank you very much. Um, I'm going to post one more time. Biggest Geekus, um, all of our links. Oh, thank you. There they, there they are. Please, uh, please, wherever you can find us, support us, at least with your presence, with your subscription, um, sharing, like, rating, all that stuff that you normally do. Uh, uh, we would greatly appreciate it. Um, and if there's nothing else. Well, you know, uh, there is one final thing I'll say about uh, about Necromancers. Uh, I was talking to Skeletor the other day, and I said, can you raise a good family? He's like, well, you can if the plots are close enough together. <laughs> ah, that's hilarious. All right. Can't top that one. <laughs> and on that note, this Thank is... You. Thank you, Joe. Thanks. You are very welcome. Very welcome. And on that note, this is Joe. And remember, if you can't be big like us, then be geeks like us. 